Presented by the Coalition to Protect America's Regional Airports. Good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Friday, July 14th, and the conversation in Washington today is shaping up to be dominated by three big stories, uh, one from the East Coast, one from the West Coast, and then one really from the middle of the country. Here in Washington, late last night, in a slight surprise, the House punted on the National Defense Authorization Act, which is, of course, the annual defense policy bill that uh, traditionally passes with vast bipartisan support. But House Republicans introduced a number of amendments to the bill on a variety of cultural issues, Uh, for instance, blocking trans service members from receiving gender-affirming health care, Uh, restricting access to abortion health services for troops, banning the purchase of so-called gender ideology books by defense-backed educational institutions, and uh, efforts to defund uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in the Defense Department. Those are all proposals that Democrats generally view their inclusion in the NDA as total non-starters. You're going to want to pay attention to this one both because it has huge policy importance, but also because it's ripe for 2024 ads and because the vote, uh, which is expected to come today, is going to be very, very close. Late last night, Congressman Adam Smith of Washington, the ranking Democrat on the House Armed Services Committee, suggested that all Democrats, except maybe five to seven of them, are firmly united in opposing the NDAA. And while Smith believes that the Republican leadership will ultimately wrangle enough votes to pass the bill, you should really never underestimate the House's capacity to surprise and vex predictions about how things will turn out. So pay attention to that. And actually, if you want to hear more with Adam Smith, my colleague Ryan Lizza has an interview with him on Playbook Deep Dive today, which you should give a listen to. Out on the West Coast, uh, yesterday SAG-AFTRA decided to go on strike, uh, igniting the largest Hollywood labor stoppage in decades. And they are joining the Writers Guild, which has been on picket lines for months at this point, uh, starting today. The last time that both SAG and the Writers Guild were on strike at the same time, uh, SAG was actually, as a fun fact, led by Ronald Reagan. But it also speaks to this moment that we're in, where a lot of the activism in the labor movement is happening on the West Coast and is reflective of the fact that many workers in industries all across the country fear both the loss of jobs and wages to things like artificial intelligence. Meanwhile, today in Iowa, a number of 2024 Republican contenders will address the Family Leadership Summit. That's a gathering of evangelical Christians brought together by the family leader, uh, an influential conservative group led by Bob Vanderplatz. While Donald Trump will not be in attendance, he's opted to instead appear at Turning Point USA's event in West Palm Beach, Florida. Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Asa Hutchinson, and Nikki Haley will all be there. Joining me to discuss that is Sally Goldenberg, who is covering the 2024 race for Politico, is on top of all things Ron DeSantis, and is speaking to me actually from Des Moines, where she is reporting on the summit. Sally, good morning. Hi, nice to talk to you. So one of the things that I know you're watching is Ron DeSantis. 
He has faced a barrage of negative headlines in recent weeks, and the narrative around his campaign has really shifted. His poll numbers have sunk a bit. He's struggling to get momentum back, at least narrative momentum. What is at stake for DeSantis and his campaign at this event in Iowa? So I think DeSantis is probably has the most to gain from the Family Leader Summit today. I mean, everybody has an opportunity to impress the crowd, to be sure. But DeSantis, as you noted, has really had a number of struggles recently. He's really not shown that he can overtake Donald Trump in this primary, which was the goal, of course. This is an opportunity for him for a number of reasons. Donald Trump won't be on the stage. He decided to skip the event. So DeSantis will be kind of the the front runner in Trump's absentia, if you will. And the interviews will be conducted by Tucker Carlson, who is no longer on Fox, of course, but still has a following and has this Twitter show, seems to like DeSantis. And, you know, I think that will be a relatively, maybe not an easy interview, but a friendly interview. And DeSantis also has an opportunity to really try and convince a very influential voting bloc in the first state in the nation that holds its caucus, Iowa, that he is the true conservative in the race. And if he does that, if he's able to really solidify that support and put himself in play in Iowa, that could be the jolt he needs to keep going and to convince donors that he's really in this thing and really does stand a chance of winning. What does a successful weekend in Iowa look like for DeSantis? And does a successful weekend for DeSantis look different than maybe a successful weekend for, say, Mike Pence? The thing that DeSantis and all of them need to do is show donors and influential people at this stage of the game that they're in it for the long haul. And I think for DeSantis, that means just really, like I said, solidifying support in Iowa. Donors are going to watch closely to how DeSantis performs. And so I think it's sort of a nebulous answer, but I think just kind of showing that he can peel off. Like we had a story today, Alex Eisenstadt of Politico had a story that a local lawmaker in Iowa has shifted from supporting Trump to supporting DeSantis. And so it's just one person. It's not a big name. But that sort of thing is what DeSantis needs to do in Iowa to really kind of create an impression that he can win the state. Thanks so much, Sally, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And for your schedule today, the Senate is in The House is in as well and will meet at 9 a.m. with last votes expected no later than 3 p.m. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. As the busiest runway in America, DCA is already prone to delays and cancellations. Even so, a reckless Delta-backed effort is pushing to add more flights to DCA with no concern for passenger convenience or safety. Join us to protect safe and efficient travel for the traveling public. Learn more at www.protectregionalairports.com. Paid for by the Coalition to Protect America's Regional Airports.